Welcome to the Contemplative Creative Podcast. This free audio recording is made possible through gifts by people like you. Please consider making a donation or purchasing some of the goods we've made available through the support page of our website to help us offer unique audio teachings on the internet and to grow this community library. Thank you for your support. The key for anyone to be the best expression of themselves is to take care of the internal self from which it all flows outwards. Hello, and welcome to episode number 24 of Contemplative Creative. This is an audio podcast that tackles the deeper philosophical issues of living in a dynamic and modern world. The goal uncovering insights so that we can each choose to live more intentional lives with meaning. My name is David Quiring, and I will be your host. An old idiom tells us, the cream will always rise to the top. The idea being that a good person or idea can't go unnoticed for long, just as cream poured into coffee or tea will eventually rise to the top. The cream will always rise to the top. It sounds good and inspirational and all, but is this actually the case these days? In a complicated, competitive, and connected world where each and every one of us has access to and does speak their piece through the internet, it doesn't quite seem to ring true. There is a lot of noise out there these days, and the stuff that stands out, or rises to the top, isn't necessarily the best of it. Ironically, despite unprecedented access for each of us to project our voices out into the world, it is harder than ever for any individual voice to be heard amidst it all, however great the message or talent behind it may be. Many great creatives have only been discovered after they've exhaled their last breaths. In the unmarked brown boxes of the apartments they've left behind, the inconspicuous storage containers auctioned off to strangers when rent payments suddenly ceased, or the self-published online work that never found its audience. These things are the fruits of quiet, great minds. Voices that weren't heard until far after their vocalization. To me, this is a bit sad. Whether by culture or algorithm, our modern world celebrates and popularizes those whose voices are loud and confident. Now, if it were simply this, and people's confidence actually was the natural and logical result of experience and mastery of something then perhaps the old idiom we started with would ring truer. But, in a society where there's also the advice to fake it until you make it, it's kind of a recipe for disaster. Blind confidence does not mean there is wisdom behind it. Classic business school graduates. I don't mean to pick on you, but 
Classic business school graduates are perhaps the most obvious example of this. There seems to be a cycle taught and followed where, time and again, they make big promises without a solid foundation to back them up, which wins investors, employees, and customers over to their cause with charismatic confidence in absence of that. But then they fail nine times out of ten and go back to step number one, faking it until they make it, unapologetically. Time and again, people get swept up in their boisterous words and storied pitches, seemingly forgetting about all the times they've been fooled following the exact same recipe before. This is marketing as we know it, I suppose, so I don't mean to pick on anyone personally. Rather, I point it out because it's systemic in our culture. Ultimately, it is a successful recipe because it satisfies a primal need we all feel inside of us. We want to believe these people. Deep down, we all seem to want to follow someone who has a clear and confident vision of where to go. In a world full of confusion and suffering, it's only natural to crave assured guidance like this. So this isn't a bad instinct, but there must be be an element of discernment that accompanies it on each of our parts, because when someone claims to be exactly who we need, well, we need to be cautiously skeptical. The cream doesn't seem to rise to the top. Despite perhaps the world needing more cream, more quality, more vision, and more true innovation, for those who have something important to say, and are earnestly seeking to find their audience, how can they stand out amidst all of those who are faking it around them? The answer isn't luck, as many would dream, but instead hard work, a combination of understanding the world in which they're a part and being strategic about where they choose to spend their limited energy. If they don't happen to be extroverted by nature, as is often the case with innovative minds, Breaking out and getting noticed is doubly difficult. It requires them to play the game, a game in which, by its design, they might very well be the underdogs. We live in an extroverted world. The systems in place elevate the louder voices over the quiet ones, and by these rules, the introverted are at a disadvantage by their nature. I don't mean to demonize extroversion. In fact, there certainly is value in it. But instead, I want to point out that there is also a deep value that I think society needs latent in introverted minds, and it needs to be received and nurtured. In the space between activity and input, this is where new ideas and thoughts arise. And it is here that introverts excel because they make that space. Innovative thoughts and approaches are what we need to solve the difficult problems we face, with which we haven't found answers yet. We need to think creatively, and these voices need to be heard, encouraged, and recognized, which is perhaps the greatest challenge for an introvert in an extroverted world, especially if that task falls upon their own shoulders, where that very well might be a weakness. So... How can we, as individuals and society, begin to lift things up by merit instead of popularity? 
The first step is to understand the rules of the game. There is a social requirement to be a part of society. There's no getting around that. It's one we all must rise up to and engage with. For the introverts, this does not come naturally. They must push themselves to meet these extroverted cultural demands. And this requires a lot of effort for them because it's not their natural strength. Importantly, though, when they choose to stretch themselves like this, the character that they play is not someone different than who they are, but instead it's an extension of who they are that they find through pushing themselves out of their comfort zone. This means being part of the neighborhood, having an online presence, and uh, engaging with people on social media, for example. These stretches of personal nature are important relationally, but only in so much that it complements who they undeniably are themselves. Uh, A subtle distinction. An introvert is not necessarily a misanthrope. They can, and often do, enjoy the company of others. But the difference is that they need to find respite amidst it all to avoid exhaustion, burnout, and subdued potential. Knowing this, knowing themselves and what they must do, they can play the game in their own unique way. Just the important thing for them to remember is that in order for them to be their best self in terms of both expression and interaction, so the extroverted side of things, they must go against the social norm at times, knowing that they need to seek out moments of quiet to recharge their mind and their body and their soul. Essentially knowing what they need, and working with that and from that. Conversely, the extrovertedly inclined must acknowledge that they are recharged by being present in a group. This need must be considered for their better mental health and better being out in the world as well. In both these cases, it's about taking care of yourself. But it's not even just both these cases. Thus far, I've been talking about introversion and extroversion as opposites, as if a person is either one or the other. But it's important to note that these are actually extremes on a broad spectrum, and each of us has elements of both introversion and extroversion within ourselves, just in different ways and at different levels. Wherever one might find their natural state along this line, the fact remains that in order to have a healthy relationship with the world, we need to know ourselves better. The key and challenge is learning what oneself needs, because it might not be what the world tells you you need. If we can figure out what energizes, refreshes, and inspires us, we are better able to tackle life's challenges. With this understanding, we can balance self-care in a more natural state, wherever that may be on the introversion-extroversion spectrum, with healthy stretching of ourselves in the other. Hopefully, from this dedication to taking care of and challenging oneself, the result is healthy growth, creative expression, and relationships out in the world. In this way, the internal and external are actually inextricably related. It needn't be either or. It can be both. A bitter joke that has become all too common these days is that the successful people of today are masters of business 
rather than of their craft. Winning customers with confidence, marketing messages, and popularity rather than the merit of the actual work they put out. Now, fellow professionals can clearly see the difference in the quality of what they do, but often the public and their clients lack the educated eye to see it themselves and know better. There is no denying that these sorts of professional methodologies result in relative social and financial success in the presence of life's daily struggles. In other words, they can pay their rent. But this kind of success is kind of fleeting, because anyone who has a discerning eye who looks at it, they'll see through it. And time has a funny way of uh, doing that. Because once you step outside of the charismatic pitch with which it was originally framed, the work itself will not stand out on the larger historical timeline as anything special because, well, the marketing pitch will not stand the test of time. At some point, we all have to choose between defining our success as merely paying the bills or mastery. Now, these shouldn't be mutually exclusive. But it is a good way to frame the question, what do you want your life work to look like? And how is this sustainably possible in our current culture? Because if you can't pay life's inevitable bills, then what you're doing is not sustainable and ultimately fleeting as well. Good work and success at putting food on the table need not, or even must not, be mutually exclusive. So, how can we assuredly achieve both? Don't dismay. Hearing this, be careful not to let yourself slip into victim mentality. The path may be challenging, and we have to admit that. Of course there's going to be some obstacles that are more difficult for us than others, but so some will also be easier for us than others. We all have our own strengths and weaknesses, and this is just a fact, not an excuse. Hear this, and be inspired to do the work to know yourself better and carve out your place in a larger world. Give yourself and your work the best chance it has, because you deserve it, and the world will be a better place for it. It's a game, and there is no one answer for everyone, as we all have different cards to play with. Here in Western society, late-stage capitalism reigns these days. There is little room for generosity in the shrinking margin of disposable income, and the old idea of a benefactor supporting good work based solely on merit is disappearing if not already completely gone. Today, one must play the game, and there are certain strategies one could consider. Knowing one's strengths and, conversely, weaknesses is so important. The goal for which we should aim is to organize the work that we do in a way that encourages time to be spent working with one's strengths and, knowing one's weaknesses, finding a way to fill the gaps. Perhaps this could be through education or experience, or maybe it is bringing in a partner whose strengths may be opposite and complementary to yours. If you love the hands-on work but hate the marketing side of whatever you're doing, for example, consider bringing someone else in who enjoys the commercial process. 
you probably weren't doing it very well anyway if you didn't enjoy it. Mutually beneficial relationships like this, be it in the form of business partnerships, agents, or whatever, it gives the work itself the best chance of success out in the world. In a very real way, the results of collective effort like this can be much larger than the sum of its individual contributors. I could go on and on talking generally about this, but I'm not sure that would do any of us any good, and I value your time too much as well as mine. Ultimately, the most important details are going to be the ones that you identify for yourself. The key for you to be the best expression of yourself in thought, speech, and action, and all elements of being, is to take care of your internal self from which it all flows outwards. All of us being uniquely different, what this translates to for each of us will vary. But the goal of finding a balance between the inextricably linked internal and external self is common throughout. So take time to reflect and try to figure this out for yourself so that you can not only survive, but thrive and do good work. Very few of the world's great thinkers who've risen to success will say that it happened overnight. In fact, most will openly contest it and remind you of the years spent living paycheck to paycheck before what they were doing gained momentum and became sustainable. Finally. I wonder how many have quit before realizing their full potential this way. It required hard work for them, and it will for you as well. You are no exception. Persistence, patience, and commitment are the keys to eventually making it. It can be tough out there, but if you can find a way to keep your internal fire stoked, you will be better able to weather the inevitable ups and downs along the way. Take time to know your process and honor it, and try to find joy throughout it instead of just at the end. Don't be afraid to collaborate, to recognize your weaknesses, and also rise to the challenge. Good things take time. Now, give yourself that time. And that brings us to the end of another episode. The best way to support Contemplative Creative continues to be helping us spread the word about what we're discussing over here. We want to keep this thing going and growing, but we can't do that without you, the listener. So if you enjoy this podcast, please share a link with a friend. And if you don't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a minute, please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That really helps other people discover us amidst the growing noise of the internet. And we'd really appreciate it because, well, we're a bunch of introverts over here. <laughs> In the meantime, you can stay connected with us between episodes by joining Contemplative Creative on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Links to all of that and more are over at our website at www.contemplativecreative.com. And that's it for now. My name is David Quiring, and thanks for listening. Take care. The key for anyone to be the best expression of themselves is to take care of the internal self from which it all flows outwards. <laughs>